0: So the big question is this, how do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that most successful agents hoard to themselves grow and prosper in today's competitive real estate environment? That's the question and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Pat Hyben and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. And now for the review of the day. Got a five-star review from PK Grafton. It says, sports student, this podcast is great for beginners and veterans in the real estate industry. Pat asks the tough questions and gets the tough answers. Definitely worth listening to. And I would recommend it to anyone trying to be successful in the real estate industry or any industry keep the comments coming guys. I love them. And remember I eat feedback for breakfast. So give me a one-star review if you want, or a five-star review if you want, I don't care. And the more reviews we get, the better guests we get. So please subscribe first and then leave us a review or wherever you're listening. Rockstar Nation, thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to stay to the end where our guests will be offering a free gift. As you know, all of our guests offer a free gift and all of these gifts can be found on the Agent Success Toolbox. You could find that by going to hybendigital.com backslash toolbox or simply texting the word toolbox to 444-999. That's toolbox to 444-999. I am going to put today's free gift in today's show notes. But if you want all of them, including gifts from most of our guests that have come on the show, just go to the Agent Success Toolbox. All right, Rockstar Nation, I got a great guest. Jamie Taylor is on the line from Little Rock, Arkansas. We're going to get into some good uh, nitty gritty stuff. Jamie, welcome to Real Estate Rockstars.
1: Thank you, and thank you for having me.
0: Hey, my pleasure. Hey, Jamie, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself so they could get to know you better?
1: Okay. Well, my name is Jamie Taylor. I've been in the real estate industry since I was about 18. I have been, I started as a real estate appraiser and moved from Las Vegas over to Arkansas and have been here in Arkansas now for about 10 years and have recently over the last two and a half years switched out of full-time real estate appraisal and into full-time real estate sales and then into now brokering and operating a real estate brokerage here in Little Rock.
0: Wow. And so what, I mean, what is life like now? Like what, you have your own company, right? Yes, sir. What's it called?
1: It's called Bluebird Realty.
0: Why'd you call it that?
1: We call it Bluebird because Bluebird is the symbol of joy and real estate should be experience that brings you joy because you're either making money or you're making moves. So you should be happy.
0: There you go. All right, so what are the last two and a half years been like or let's just go to your let's just cut to the chase what are your last 12 months like how many houses have you sold in the last 12? I've
1: probably sold about 27, 28 units in the last 12 months Three of those are apartment complexes so I would say the last 12 months has been a little slower with opening your own brokerage will come some administrative duties as well but probably about 28 units so far last 12
0: months. And, and And that's interesting, and you said three of them were apartment complexes, and I want to talk to you about that to find out like how you did those exactly, but let's talk about your what we'd like to talk on the show is the eCI ego commission income like if you added up your total commissions, what are they yearly
1: um, they would be i would say okay, so ten six seven I think I'd be about seventeen point eight million total
0: seventeen point eight million and and then your commissions on that's that 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 would be your volume. So right. So what are your commissions on that? Like half a million bucks.
1: Mm, let me think about that. I would say I'm probably doing an average around three percent on each side. So I guess that would be about half a million. Yeah, five ten.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's good. And then, um, so what about your profit? What's your profit margin?
1: Well, that is, that's is—that's a tougher question for me. I actually am fortunate enough to have a business partner that sort of helps me along the lines of understanding my cost per client um, and then what my profit margin is. The business has been only open for 12 months, so we don't really have like a, a fully clear picture since the mm-hmm. last statement, but I would say that we're fortunate in the sense that we don't buy leads. So really everything, the only overhead we have is um, you know the lease on our building and our utilities. Um, and then the software that we use, otherwise, we don't purchase any sort of leads whatsoever as a brokerage. So that saved us a lot of money.
0: Yeah. And and of course, you don't, yeah, and you don't have to pay a broker either. You don't have a franchise fee or or a broker split, right? So let I mean I want to talk to you about everything. Um, so first of all, why why did you open, why did you open up your own company? You know, clearly you could have just gone and worked for Keller Williams, Remax, exp you know or, or any local brokerage right with that number of units it wasn't like you had to open up your own company And a lot of people would say man she should have just done that because i do more units than that so what t- talk to me about why you decided to do that with the amount of business that you do
1: well, I think that's an interesting question, and my answer basically is that I did work for a local brokerage. I started, and when I actually decided to move over into sales, I had mentioned I'd been an appraiser for a long time. Well, around my my parents decided, you know, we want to sell our house, and we don't want to deal with anyone else. We know what you know. Just pick up your real estate license and help us do this, and I said, Okay. So I got the license and helped them do it, and that's kind of what led me to realize and understand what my strengths in real estate are. So the reason I opened a brokerage instead of continuing to work for a local brokerage is it allows me as the broker to make decisions on behalf of the client that maybe my other broker wouldn't allow me to make, one. And two, I think that there's a better way to do real estate than people are doing it right now. I think that there's a better way to serve your agents and your clients, and I think that with the iBuyers and the digital media that's coming our way at this time, we as brokers have to be responsible enough to train our agents with additional information they won't find in school. And then on top of that, as an industry, we have to go deeper for our clients and for our agents so that they just have a full understanding of what they're doing. This is not commissions and marketing. It's investment and it's return on that investment.
0: Hmm. All right, Jamie. So tell me about the apartment buildings. How'd you get involved in selling people apartment buildings?
1: So I was very fortunate on the first one to just have a, a client of mine who I, I know and trust well. And he said, you know, it's a multifamily. I'm tired of one house at a time. There's an economy of scale that comes with a number of doors and I'm ready to go that direction. Can you help me find something? So we started looking around and found a couple things here in Arkansas that were in a position where maybe some value needed to be added. Maybe the management wasn't particularly great. And so we found a 33 unit apartment complex in a popular area of town um, I wouldn't say like a developing area, just a very, you know, kind of run of the mill about two miles actually from my own house. And we saw it, we liked it. We saw the opportunity. We made the offer, did the inspection and a couple of months later we closed. And so that apartment complex was my first experience of really actually using the income approach experience and, and assessing not just what it's worth now, but what is it going to be worth when we add this value and then we improve that management.
0: Hmm. And did you do that? Like, are you adding, I mean, like, okay, so I guess the question is, how did that lead to more?
1: Well, how it led to more was then that client and I, you know, first of all, when I see something I like, I go for it. Um, same thing with like, when I liked selling real estate, I thought, well, then let's open a brokerage. When I sold the apartment complexes, my very first thought was I better start prospecting for other people that want to buy this kind of investment because it's always best when you're dealing with your ideal client. It's easy. If you're dealing with your ideal client and you're doing work you love, it's easy. So I started prospecting for apartment complexes and people who wanted to invest in multifamily.
0: And did you prospect for sellers or buyers?
1: I'm prospecting for whatever's
0: out there is the truth. So well, how? Tell me how you prospected.
1: So how I'll do that is a lot of times I'll put things out on social media along the lines of, hey, if you're wanting to make an investment and you want to make a sound investment, you know, hire someone that has that background. Now, the only reason I usually lean on my background some is it does give me keys that other agents don't have. And because of that, I'm able to kind of brand myself a little bit differently and bring in those those clients who are interested in an accurate ARB or an accurate return on their investment. Um, so basically to answer your question, I would call them off of the multiple listing services. And then also on the front facing public services where apartment complexes are advertised for sale, calling those sellers and saying, hey, if you're not listed, how about we get listed? Or if you're listing, hey, I see this in your income approach and maybe if your pro forma looked a little differently, you could attract the buyer that you're looking for, um, or at least I could bring you a buyer that would be interested.
0: Well, wow, that's neat. And, and, uh, and it just one thing led to another, next thing you know, you sold three.
1: Well, actually, the next one, somebody, I wrote a blog about how much I really enjoyed um, doing that first one. And this gentleman contacted me and said, hey, I've got this apartment complex. I, I wonder if you have a buyer for it. I said, I bet I do. So I made a call. <laughs> and sure enough, I found a buyer and put them together and they moved on. And so then that just happened again. I was with a client out recently and he said, I saw that you are messing with multifamily. And I said, well, what are you looking for? And he said about 20 doors and a good uh, good cash flow. I said, okay. So if they give me their goals, I mm-hmm. have to analyze what real estate is available and then give them offerings that fit their goals.
0: And so in Little Rock, Arkansas, what would, what would someone's definition of good cash flow on a 20 unit be?
1: Well, we would really hope for a cap rate that would make them feel comfortable. I know that most of the investors I work with want a cap rate around thirteen or fourteen percent, but that's kind of hard to come by. In Arkansas, you'll see them closer to ten or eleven percent on that cap rate. So I I would say ten and a half percent would be a really good cap rate for someone to find here in Arkansas. Now, if you're listening coastally, that might sound crazy, but different numbers for different areas
0: of the country. Yeah, sure. Yeah, because you know, well what the people have to understand is in Little Rock, Arkansas, I mean that your return is gonna be better because The appreciation isn't going to be like it would be in, say, Austin, Texas, or New York City.
1: Well, and that's what's scary about a time like the present, because at the same time you say that, yes, the appreciation rate in Arkansas has historically been around 2 to 3% on a yearly rate, but here we are in 2019. We're ripe for development. We have 85 opportunity zones. We're a mid-sized South City that hasn't blown up at all with a river running right through the middle. We don't have anything like Nissan or like Dell, like Austin or or other cities have had. So right now is the situation where we're we're kind of set up for growth. So it'll be interesting to see what that appreciation rate does do. But yes, historically hasn't been a volatile market. So it's been easy to manage your business in.
0: So have people been, have investors been buying into those opportunity zones?
1: Some of them, yeah. And it would be, it kind of depends on the kind of investor you are, because if you're the kind of investor who's avoiding capital gains taxes, opportunity zones are like that's where it's at. But if you're the kind of investor who's just coming in for cash flow, that might not be the best decision for you. And if you got to keep that money in there for almost 10 years to allow the capital gains to pass, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that money. So you have to be a specific type of investor. Yeah.
0: That's a tough one, you know, and guys, I don't want to bring us into downtime too much, but if you don't know what an opportunity zone is, basically you could get, you know, any capital gain that you have, not just real estate capital gain, you can defer your gains for 10 years, defer the taxes on the gains for 10 years if you invest in certain things that our government has designated as opportunity zones.
1: Yeah, specific areas of the city. And what's interesting is yes, people do invest in them, but the city as a whole is seeing a lot of development just in specific pockets of the city. You'll have a Petaway, East Village, Argenta. People see the the quality and just the beautiful buildings here and they can't believe the price when they're coming in from coastal states. You're talking about a place in the country that has a median home price sale of $150,000. Where Mm. else do you find
0: that in the United States? Tribeofmillionaires.com. Guys, write that down. Rockstar Nation got a free special offer for you. Now, I've just written a book, and it's just been published. Co-authored it with David Osborne, who's been on this show multiple times. If you don't know David, He is one of the top execs at Keller Williams Real Estate, was personally mentored for the last two decades by Gary Keller himself, and he's in all kinds of businesses. His bio and explanation and and everything is in this book. But anyways, David and I got together. We decided to write a book. We called it Tribe of Millionaires, and I guarantee you it's going to change your life. To find out more, just go to tribeofmillionaires.com. We're going to give it to you absolutely free. Only thing we ask in return is, of course, number one, you pay the shipping. Not a big deal. But number two, that you go on Amazon and write us a review. We're really looking to get an incredible amount of reviews. And because of that, we're giving this book away for free. Go to tribeofmillionaires.com today. It's Team Tober. Here at Rebus University and we're running a special for real estate rockstar nation. This special is going to save you 90% on your team's real estate training. And the cool thing is as a team leader, you don't got to do nothing. Just put your team to work on this incredible training. Here's how it works. This week is the certified team agent course. Let's say you and your team want to take Jeff Cones Certified Team Agent course. Now Jeff is the number 1 Berkshire Hathaway agent in the world and he and his entire team one by one helped create this Certified Team Agent course. Where here's a cool part. Before you used to have to just buy one and then only the team leader could take it. Now, with Team Tober, you could buy one certified team agent course and you get nine others for free that means basically every member of your team could take it and learn to emulate what jeff's team does you could give it to nine buyer agents you could give it to nine staff people or you could just hand it out to agents that you know the bottom line is you buy one you get nine free that's close to 90 percent off it is 90 percent off this offer is only valid for this week only next week will be another course all you got to do is go to hybendigital.com slash teams that's hybendigital.com slash teams Mm. so tell me how you get your business
1: how I get my business is pure grassroots relationship building. Um, I'll be totally honest and say that if you're a real estate agent who hasn't you know, built the kind of network that you really want and have people around you that you can count on for referrals, whether that's an HVAC provider or um, a mortgage lender, I did spend the first year of my career, which I believe led to a lot of my success, building a business networking group called, it was a chapter of I. We named it BNI of the Tiger because it's basically the best. And we invited all of the people locally that have relationships with someone who's in HVAC, electrical, property management. And every single meet, uh, week we would meet and we built those relationships off of, hey, let me go ahead and order something from you to see if you can refer your cousin to me when he goes to buy a house. And the idea of giver's gain and giving to others to receive in return was what the group was built on. So I worked really hard at that. And after we became the actual only Hall of Fame chapter in the state of Arkansas with 42 members on our opening, we, um, I mean, I saw 17 out of 33 units be sold out of that group in that first year. And it was a big, big deal for me. So I would say networking has been my greatest strength. Meeting people and connecting them to other people to see their needs be met has resulted in business for me. Just, I mean, I had never bought a lead. And to sell $10 million in my first calendar year was to me, told me that I had a place in the industry, but also that there was a way to get business without spending thousands of dollars as an agent.
0: That's awesome. 17 deals. Uh, first year from BNI. i I mean, that's, that's great. It's crazy. Yeah, that's, that, it works. Um, okay, cool. And um, so what percentage of your business is buyers versus sellers?
1: So I'm fortunate in that area. Right now, I'm literally at a 49-51 split. So I deal with buyers about half the time. I deal with sellers about the half the time. And I would say that my selling side, I have two issues there. One, I usually always get um, one of two things, the easiest listing ever or the most complicated listing ever. And that's because they're calling me for one of two reasons. They want the truth or they want me to tell them the truth so they can do whatever they want and we can lower the price in two weeks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I imagine as an appraiser, you have a a much more conservative way of pricing than a lot of the agents out there. Tell me about how that's helped you or how that's hurt you.
1: Yeah, that has helped me significantly. And it's something that I really want other agents to have the opportunity to understand. And I think it's important to, especially for listeners, if you understand the barriers to entry in both careers, you can understand why one is more well-versed in the economy of property versus the other. So as a real estate appraiser, although I'm still licensed, I don't practice because it's not really responsible to practice and be a broker. So I keep those things separate. But what I can say is my experience allows me to look at real estate from an economic standpoint. The basis of supply and demand with real estate is the same as it is within the economy. If you have six houses listed and five of them are listed for $100,000, you're going to buy the sixth one because it's listed for $95,000. And you want the best deal you can get for the functional utility location and basically condition of the property that you're going to occupy.
0: Right. And, um, and that's, I mean, do you ever lose a listing because of price?
1: Yes. I would say more often than not, I lose the listing over the price because I don't have the patience for, um, you know, let's see what happens. Or I think that, you know, if, if you did better, you know, more open houses, if you did a realtor open house, things like that. I, I don't think that those are what sell homes. I think that's what gets realtors to. Mm-hmm guests can build relationships. But I think really what happens is the seller just doesn't understand that they're dealing with an asset that's going into a situation where they're in competition with whatever's nearby and locally and recently sold in the same condition. And I think this big, huge comes down with the consumer thinking, because I live here, because I put X amount of dollars in, it's going to be this when I sell it. That is not always the case. And every dollar you put in does not translate to every dollar you put out.
0: Mm. You know, I got scolded uh, uh, for saying this on the show once, but I'll say it again. I mean, I sold real estate for decades, and, you know, at the end of the day, really, you're right. What does sell houses is is pricing it right and putting it in MLS. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you know, everybody wants to be able to say they have a magic pill, and, and there is marketing that does work. am not saying it doesn't, but at the end of the day, pricing MLS is what's going to get you, you know, the most offers in the shortest amount of time. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and I think it's important that, you know, marketing is great. It's one of those things for me, marketing and branding set my my brokerage apart. I mean, to think that we've only been open for such a short time, but have the momentum and the excitement we do behind us, that is a result of branding. We do have a good team in place for things like that. We do know 90% of people are shopping by video 2020, right? So we do want to go ahead and stay on the front front of those trends and make sure we understand them. But understanding those trends and having the tools, that's great. We work off conversion. We have the largest platform at the smallest brokerage. I mean, we use the same tools as Keller Williams, but there's nine of us. (laughs) And the way we look at that is, yes, we can do tools and technology if that's what you want, Mr. Seller. But at the end of the day, tools and technology do not sell your home. What sells your home is somebody who understands what it's worth And can put it in the MLS to get the proper exposure. So those of you FSBOs listening in, you're actually an unrepresented seller. (laughs) And you need the MLS just like the rest of us.
0: And so tell me about that. Now you have nine other people, those agents? Yes. And they're all on their own, right? So like your numbers are just your numbers. And then they have their numbers too.
1: Yes, and to be quite honest, the the brokerage kind of has shifted a little in the sense that we first opened, and it was me and my husband, and we had two other agents we were good friends with, and then a third wanted to come on, and a fourth, and so it's kind of sort of grown really quickly, but we do have the interesting where one of them is a professional photographer, one of them has a background in mortgage lending and is bilingual, one of them is also a real estate appraiser, so everybody sort of has their own little niche and their own thing that makes them special and different. And that's one of the other things we love about Bluebird is that we feel like we're bringing people specifically the joy that they need in their transaction. So whatever your problem is, we have someone who can solve it, basically.
0: So so let me ask you about that. Like, was it uh, how hard or easy and how did you grow a small brokerage from zero agents to nine agents in a year? I mean, a lot of people spend a lot, a lot of companies spend a lot of times recruiting. Then they have to compete and steal other agents from each other. There's a big war going on now. Like, how are you able to just... What's your value proposition as, as a small brokerage?
1: Well, I think that there's, I mean, the simple answer is to be quite honest, is just that what you see is what you get with me. And people that know me in this industry and in this neighborhood and or city know that. And so when you ask me about your property or about real estate, I'm going to give you a straight answer. And I'm not going to tell you that, well, because I have the best marketing, I'm, because I know how to price property, that's why. And because when you need somebody to measure your house, Because you're off by 100 feet and you're $150 a foot and you had no idea that your seller was put in that position by your inability to measure that property before you listed it, that's my value proposition. I have the answers that you don't have and I spent 11 years getting them. So I think that is what separates me and telling the truth and being very well versed in the economic side of real estate is what keeps me
0: successful. And and what about from an agent? What's your value? Prop- like what is Bluebird's value proposition for an agent to trying to think about which brokers to put their license at?
1: Well, for us, there's a specific model in the sense that we don't want to get too large because what we're trying to do is change the way that people actually do real estate by training each of these agents to have that back end. So what the value proposition is there is the availability of your broker and the desire of that broker to handhold you through that process until you are confident enough to say, I don't need to back Call her to back me up on this price. I know that this is the right price for this house because I was trained in a way that shows me how to price the, the house properly.
0: Hmm. So, you're giving your agents, too, like some of your appraisal background. You're giving them free instructions on appraisal stuff how to oh, price yeah. houses, how to, how to think oh. like an appraiser.
1: Uh-huh. And that's the thing is I'll give it to anybody that asks, because I think that what is important when you look at the differences, like I mentioned before, of barriers to entry. For instance, when I did real estate appraisal, it took me several years. Everything that I did had to be supervised and signed off on by someone else who spent time in the industry. When I went to get my real estate license, I did it on a weekend. I spent 300 bucks and I did it while I was working a full-time job and going to school full-time. It, for me, I felt like the barriers to entry were so easy and so low that I could just walk right into real estate. Whereas appraisal, I had to work at it. I had to make sure someone else who res- was respected in their industry and spent the time doing it made sure I was doing it correctly. And I guess I feel like that separates me because my education level is, it's like dealing with someone with a doctorate versus a high school degree, in my opinion. And that's not trying, you know, not trying to be rude or say anything negative about new agents. But I do think the way we teach agents and the level at which we teach them prior to pushing them out into the economy Is not good enough.
0: Fascinating. So, so, you know, and I'm going to go back to this because this is your expertise, right? You're appraiser appraiser for 11 years. So you lose more listings than you get because of the price you give them. A lot of people listening would be like, man, that sucks. So talk to me about that. Like, what do you tell people when when they struggle with price and how do you give back a listing? Like a lot of people are like, well, I can't give it back because there's always a chance that they may pay this price that a seller thinks that I know is not worth.
1: Right. Um, I would say too, and I think it's important to take into account, you know, I'm a young business and I'm kind of failing forward like anybody will that, that understands that it's a new avenue for me. So I might make some mistakes as I go learning how to navigate this industry as the owner and broker as opposed to an agent. But to answer your question, I think it's really important that your expectations are clear up front. So when you deal with a seller that says, hey, point blank, my price is this and I'm not listing it unless you list it here. It's easier for you as an agent to say, okay, sure, I'll list it there. But it's going to hurt you later when you are constantly having to check up on that house, do another open house, go by and put a new cool sign up, put another video out, do whatever you can to market it differently. If you just price it well and explain to the seller why it has to be priced that way, typically they do agree with you. And one question I found recently that gives me a lot of success at listing appointments is, hey, what's your net? What is it? How much do you need to make? Mm. Because you need to make X. Let me explain to you what you're going to pay my competition to do versus what you're going to pay me to do.
0: Hmm. Dig into that deeper.
1: So when you say, I'm going to make 6% on the listing of this home, if the competition is going to charge 6% and I'm going to charge 6%, here's the difference. Yes, I'll market it. Yes, I'll put a sign in your yard. Yes, I'll hold an open house. However, I'll also measure it before it ever gets on the market. I'll also sit down in front of you or send you a video of every single comp that I have selected and why I have selected it. I'll make sure you understand by size complexity conformity functional utility bedroom bathroom all of that that i have explained to you where you sit on this market and how you rank compared to the competition if you don't rank at the top you're not going to sell first (laughs) so that's the importance It's showing them the economy of it and if you could basically walk someone into walmart and say which of these ice chests do you want all of them are 35 dollars, except for this one over here it's 30 and they say well what's wrong with it nothing i'll take that one
0: Mm. yeah of course Do the math, it's worth every single dollar. This is a quote from Mr. Bill Reig, who took my certified listing agent program. He says, looking to take your listing presentation to the next level. Listen, I've closed 100% of the appointments since I took Pat Hyben's certified listing agent. Five appointments, five new clients in 60 days. Do the math, it's worth every single dollar. Now, you can get the Certified Listing Agent course. You can get the Certified Buyer Agent course, which tells you how to close every single buyer that calls in if you want them. You get the Certified Team Agent course, which teaches you how to build a dynamite team like Jeff Cohn, who teaches the course. It's like a 10-hour course from Omaha, Nebraska, Berkshire Hathaway's top agent, and seven other courses. total of 11 courses, all five-star rated. Only 97 bucks a month. If you paid for them individually on the website, they would cost over $10,000. And we are running a special now at training.com, where you can get them for $97 a month. That's all you can eat. $97 a month, all these courses. That's futureofrealestatetraining.com. Futureofrealestatetraining.com. Check it out. Hey, real estate rock stars, this is Pat Hybin. And before we jump back into today's content, I want to tell you about an extraordinary offer from an extraordinary company. I'm talking about My Outdesk. If you haven't heard of My Outdesk, basically, they are a virtual assistant company, a VA company that specializes in virtual assistants for real estate agents. Yeah, I'm talking about transaction coordinators marketing assistants, I'm talking about ISAs, inside sales agents at prospect, thousands and thousands of seller leads and buyer lead follow-ups. I mean, these guys are trained in this stuff specifically. You're not using a company that doesn't know or understand real estate sales. Four out of five of the top teams in the US use MyOutDesk for their virtual assistants. And because I know the owner, Daniel Ramsey, have known him for over a decade, and I know how awesome and incredible this company is and how it saves agents thousands and thousands of dollars every single week and makes them thousands and thousands of more every single week, we are going to give you a $400 coupon off of your first month of a virtual assistant and give you access and give you a free book. Entitled scaling your business with virtual professionals so you can like read it and look into it before you decide anything It's called scaling your business with virtual professionals, and you can get it real easy All you got to do is text the word hyben h-i-b-a-n to 3199 that's h-i-b-a-n to 31996. And download your free book, Scaling Your Business with Virtual Professionals. And don't forget to mention also that you get a $400 discount, which will give you a coupon for that when you download the book. Thank you, guys, and I hope you enjoy and make a ton of money using my outdesk. So let's talk technology. What uh, technology do you like now?
1: I love technology. Okay, so BombBomb Bomb is my favorite thing ever. BombBomb Bomb is an integrated video email system, which also works on your phone. You can screen share, you can be in a little bubble on the computer and you're explaining things to your client and they're watching your screen as you comp out their property. So it's really like when you say, I told you I'm going to price it at 175 and they say, oh, I don't remember that. You go, well, mm-hmm. Watch that little video <laughs> that I sent you. Same thing to say hi and hope everything's going great. Happy birthday. Um, keeps you top of mind and keeps you as a you know constant person in their life while they're going through a major purchase.
0: Fasting. Hmm. Okay. What else?
1: Conversion. I love conversion. It's really good at keeping up with uh, people who come visit your website that maybe um, wouldn't have come back a second or third time. Conversion is very aggressive. And- <laughs> Explain it. So Conversion is a CRM platform, and it allows you as a broker and as an agent to have your own dashboard where you not only have an IDX website that allows all of your clients to see everything that's in the MLS, but in addition to that, they can set alerts on the website, they can read your blog, you have personalized opportunities as an agent to do whatever you want on that site, and then also The brokerage, when it receives leads, you can, they get round robined out to all the agents that way. So any content I post or any Facebook material that we put out as a brokerage immediately causes my agents to get leads. And so that's great because I'm not paying any additional cost for that.
0: Okay. Anything else?
1: Um, so we have a podcast too. And the the one thing I say is that's technically not technology, but the people who produce it are called Mimus marketing and they do all of our video and they do all of our production on our podcast. And I think that's important because I think high quality video has come so far into real estate. And I know on the coastal States, it's probably like standard that you get the amazing 360 Matterport with your video when you list a property, but not on every property in Arkansas. And so what I think is really important With for us as agents is as the trends change and as we move more towards a year of 90% of home buyers buying their stuff online, we have to have high quality video. We have to have good renderings of the properties that are going to be speculatively built. Those tools are really important for our clients to know what they're buying before it's built.
0: So what do you talk about on your podcast?
1: So our podcast was created originally to make an announcement about a brokerage switch. And then it just kind of seemed like the fun way to do it. Everyone's doing it. And then I'll be totally honest. I fell in love with it. I think it's so much fun to have conversations with people, especially when you've never met them because you never know what's going (laughs) to happen. But also, um, it's about the value that's added by people that live here in Little Rock. You know, I mentioned before that this is a a mid-sized city in kind of the mid-south area of the country. People may look at Little Rock or Arkansas and have whatever in their mind about about the state or the city, but I can tell you as a Southern California native who moved to Las Vegas and then Arkansas, you guys are missing out on the real deal down here. It is beautiful. The scenery is crazy. Our downtown is littered with art centers and libraries instead of restaurants and bars. And yeah, there's restaurants and bars down there and they have amazing food, but they're connected to theaters and parks. We actually have the second largest park in the United States behind Central Park here in Little Rock and people don't Mm know. So we created a podcast that they would know.
0: So you just, is it a monologue? You just talking or? Nope.
1: I interview everybody from um, the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences. I interviewed the chancellor there. Um, I interviewed Jesse Eitzler, who is the hundred miler um, guy who is all over the place. He's married to Sarah Blakely. Um, yeah,
0: living with a seal.
1: Yeah, he was on the podcast, actually. I heard him on Baker Pocket. And nice. And so that's the thing is we've had everyone from nationwide celebrities. to. Does he
0: live in Little Rock?
1: No, he lives in Atlanta. So
0: technic- well, why the hell would he come on a, a Little Rock, Arkansas podcast?
1: Well, Pat, I don't know if you've met me, but I'm <laughs> oh, awesome. So no, I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs>
1: probably because I reached out incessantly, just like I do when I'm prospecting to say, look, hey, I'm trying to tell you something and I want to hear what you have to say about what I have to say. And uh, he gave me the opportunity, and he was speaking at a realtor conference coming up in Austin. And so I think maybe he was doing a little research at the same time. But um, I asked him some questions, and literally ended up not publishing the entire episode because he gave me so much value that mm-hmm. I fear that I just you know couldn't couldn't share it yet.
0: What well, he was speaking at, like a real estate agent convention?
1: He did come to the Broker Summit in Austin, Texas last year, and we spoke. Uh, I think the weekend before that summit we were on the podcast and I said, are you going to Austin he said yes yeah, so
0: and, and so what's what is that it's for independent brokers
1: yeah the broker summit is actually put on by NAR so the National Association of Realtors and the summit is every year they have it in a different location and you go it was my first time but I felt like I really needed to do that to see what the NAR was presenting for its brokers and what kind mm-hmm. of I what'd you find out I learned a lot. I mean, I learned a lot about technology. I learned a lot about the options there. I learned that um, educationally, I think that real estate probably has a lot of room to to grow in the sense that we have kind of the same model we've always had. You go get your pre-licensing education, you take a quick test that, that works with federal and then state, and then you move on, you start selling property. I think that what I've noticed more than anything is the opportunity for education and higher barriers to our industry is necessary. And I think it's time for that to start happening.
0: Yeah. Love it. Love it. Okay. So uh, let's wrap this up, Jamie, with our flagship question. And that is this, if you were on a television show, a reality show, and I took you and I put you on with nine other real estate agents and I gave you each $2,000 and a laptop computer and a cell phone. And the thing that you all 10 of you have in common is that you don't know anyone. And I said to you, whoever sells the most houses in the next six months gets a $10 million check. How is Jamie going to win that $10 million?
1: Absolutely. So I'm going to pick up the phone and start making phone calls. And I'm not going to call the people that I don't know. I'm going to call the ones I do. I'm going to call the ones I've already worked for, whose lives I've changed, whose investments are growing, whose cash flow is growing. You
0: don't know anyone.
1: I don't know anyone at all? No. Okay. Then I'm going to call all the attorneys in town and I'm going to win the competition by saying, Hey, do you need any expert testimony? Because if you can send me your real estate referrals, I'll give you expert testimony in return. What
0: what does that mean? What's expert testimony?
1: Expert testimony is hard because you have to have a licensed broker and or appraiser willing to testify in front of the court. To the effectiveness of a document with relation to a real estate transaction, which sound terrifying to most people, but I would love it. It's like Law and Order for real estate.
0: No, I had to do a couple. I hated them because I didn't get paid for it. It was like people I was, you know, people I sold a house to, and, and they got divorced, and they wanted to call me in to talk about what the house is worth now. And so you're saying you do that for free, um, but they just send you referrals.
1: Well, and if because if. I- in kind of desperate times, call for desperate measures. And so, if I'm in a situation where I have to be all these other people, I have to find my point of differentiation. How do I add value? Right? I add value in an area that none of them can. So I have to find that segment of the market and capitalize on it. Doesn't matter. The other thing I could say is lawyers, or I mean, lawyers, doctors. Doctors have spent a lot of extra time getting that higher education, and I use that argument a lot. Is they don't want to think about real estate. You're a doctor. You don't want to think about real estate. I'll do that for you. That way, you're hands-free, you're not thinking about it, and you know that there's an expert professional in your place taking care of your assets.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. And you would just knock out every lawyer you could in town and, and, uh, and, and offer something. Because, guys, there's other things you can offer, too, besides expert testimony, right? You could offer free comps for a divorce.
1: Free measurement.
0: Yeah, right. What do you mean by Free measurement.
1: I'll come measure someone's house all day, every day and say, look, if you're thinking about selling your house, why don't you let me come measure it? It could be totally missized. And let's take that small example of something like a two-car garage that at the back has a storage area. And from the outside of the sketch, all you see is the county records and the appraiser or the homeowner goes out there and they measure around the outside of the house and they say, okay, it's 1,500 square feet. But they didn't go in and separate the difference between what is garage and what is house. And they didn't measure that it was not just a square of 20 by 20, maybe it was 22 by six, by four, you know, there was a different difference. But
0: you're saying a lot of the tax records are wrong.
1: Yeah, I am saying that. And sorry to the county record people, but they are, a lot of them are done on plans and specs. They don't take into consideration additions or modifications that have taken place to the house. Sometimes they drive by, sometimes they drive by the house and it's not an interior inspection. So how do you know what that condition is? Basically, if you're off by 50 feet and you're a hundred dollars a foot, we have a problem, right? So, why would you ever want to be misrepresentation? You don't want that on your record. And you don't want to be in a situation where your house is listed incorrectly. It could change your price range, it could change everything.
0: Yeah, Floyd Wickman used to call this a fair trade, right? You want to give somebody something, and then in exchange, they're either going to give you a referral or they're going to let you talk to them about giving, you know, just listing their house or you selling them a house or whatever. You well, know? so the
1: truth of the matter is every good deal works out for everybody. If it only works for one side, it's not a good deal. So mm. great deal. And it's really going to work. That means the realtor, the, the investor, the, the seller and the buyer, everybody's on the same page because we all have our goals in line. Our expectations are clear and we're all here to make money. So really this whole real estate thing works very simply and very easy as long as expectations are clear and everyone knows what they're doing.
0: Hmm. Wow. Good stuff. Okay, Jamie. So talk to me about your free gift.
1: Okay, so my free gift is the ANSI measurement standards, and the reason I feel this is important, as mentioned, is it's not just about the square footage, but it really starts there. The thing you cannot change about a house, one of two, is the location, and the second thing is going to be the size, right? Because when can you add on or subtract to a house at the time you're listing it? So if you have accurate measurements of your property, you know your price per square foot a lot better than you would if you don't know how big it is. You also give your clients an extra level of of professionalism and they're going to look at you and say, you know, I interviewed five agents and none of them offered to measure my house, nor did they have the confidence to. So if you don't have the confidence to, another thing you can do is pay an appraiser. I do it all the time for a hundred bucks here and there for people around town. And since becoming a broker and not using that appraisal license anymore, I just refer them out to the appraisers I know in the area for a hundred dollars a piece. And those guys, they don't mind to go out and make a quick hundred bucks to save you from misrepresentation.
0: And ANSI ANSI stands for what?
1: The American National Standards of Incremental Measurement.
0: And that is obviously, <laughs> guys, get this. So everybody, just so you know, you know, everybody that comes on the show brings a free gift. Her free, Her gift, free gift being that she's in business 11 years as appraisal is this ANSI Incremental Guide that is going to show you. It's basically going to help you remeasure people's houses to look like a hero. And, and inevitably, it's going to help you price houses a lot better uh, so that they sell a lot faster, mm-hmm. right?
1: Yes, plus it really does. You need to know because if you don't know the answer to the question, how high is the ceiling need to be to constitute square footage and how much of the room needs to be to that many s- feet of the ceiling, then you know, it's going to be confusing for you when you get a two-story with a bonus room and angled ceiling. So I do-
0: does, it, does it have to say like how many windows it needs or does it need a window to be counted cal- does- in the bedroom?
1: It does talk about that. The conformity of bedrooms right now in the market is kind of changing because people do so many things with open shelvings and closet options. But yes, the ANSI standards will discuss ingress and egress and how important it is to have both a window and a bedroom associated, I mean, a window and a door associated with the bedroom along typically with a closet.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Everybody should have this, right? Um, All right, guys. So um, this is going to be this, since this is Jamie's first time on the show, it's going to be hybendigital.com backslash jamie taylor. It's J-A-M-I-E. J-A-M-I-E, Taylor, been back backslash, Jamie Taylor. If you want to reach out to her, I'm going to put all her social media links on there. I'm going to put a link to her website. I'm going to, We're going to put this free gift, obviously, on there and everything we talked about. And Jamie, it's been a blast. Uh, I Definitely uh, I had a lot of fun today. And listen, if I'm ever in Little Rock, because I do want to come there. I don't know why, but I do. I've never been to Arkansas, <laughs> and I want to add it to my list of states I've been to because I'm – Only like 28 in, so.
1: Okay, well, let me give you a couple of um, tips. Number one, buy your ticket now because you might as well. (laughs) Number two, when you get here, I'll have a stream of deals waiting so you can go and check them out, make some money while you're here. (laughs) And three, you'd be crazy not to come because you could be on my podcast. And then- There we go. Yes.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Jamie. I wish you the best of luck and I hope to meet you face to face in the future.
1: I do too. And thank you so much for this great opportunity. I really appreciate it, Pat.
0: subscribe the more subscribers we get the better we look in the ratings and the easier it is to get guests like Robert Kiyosaki Barbara Corcoran all the players that are on a million dollar listing in the different cities all that stuff makes it easier the more subscribers we get so please subscribe and listen There's a lot of places you can leave comments. There's a lot of places you can like. We're on Facebook. We have an Instagram page. Instagram page is I am Pat Hyben. The Facebook is Real Estate Rockstars Radio. Feel free to leave us comments there. The most popular form of commenting seems to happen on YouTube. Yes, for whatever reason, it's a very open environment. So just go to YouTube and go to Real Estate Rockstars Radio and leave us comments there. Some of them we will read on the show. And we love your feedback. So thanks, guys, and I hope you are having a great day. Oh, and also, listen, if you're going to subscribe and you haven't already left us a, a review on iTunes, please do that, too. Have a great day, and thanks so much, Rockstar Nation. I really appreciate you.